0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia.
1: Welcome to The Main Course. Our guest today is Michael Haith, who's the CEO of Teriyaki Madness or T Mad we hope to have a great conversation about franchising and growing a brand particularly during the pandemic and some of the really unique things that this brand does that might you know might be a little bit different than you expect with other franchises and and what you and the messaging that you hear so welcome Michael and briefly describe what the concept is and and just why you're so passionate about it
0: oh yeah thank you for having me um why am i so passionate about teriyaki madness it when i when i found the brand uh, about six or seven years ago um it really clicked all the boxes for me i've been in the restaurant business and franchising my entire career it's got um, delicious food that is healthy um, the business model works in so many different locations from strip malls to um, non-traditional um, the food is delicious and, you know, I can talk about the food all day, but everybody says their food is delicious and we're something different. Um, you know, we're not sandwiches, we're not pizza, we're not burgers. And that's, um, that makes all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah. In anticipation of this interview, I actually did order, um, from your Newark, uh, Newark restaurant and the food was amazing. Well, thank you. I'm still. Talk a little bit about the menu and and some of the more popular items and kind of what the guest experience is when they're either walking in the door or online.
0: Yeah. You know, we're about a neighborhood joint is is kind of what we position ourselves to be. Um, we really want to go ahead and, and have a flavor of the neighborhood or the urban environment or uh, even more of a corporate environment. Um, that's the experience and and, you know we're simple. We focus on, we have less than 100 SKUs and we focus on just a few things that we do really well. We do chicken really well. Um, We've got some salmon and steak and tofu but the cornerstone to everything we do is uh, chicken and we use fresh chicken and we use high quality chicken and we grill it on an open flame, and then we um, toss it with some of our signature sauces, and it's all customized. So when someone walks in the door, they've got the option to go ahead and order one of our bowls any way they would like with a protein with uh, white rice, brown rice, fried rice or noodles. And we make our own all fresh vegetables, we cut fresh vegetables every day. Um And that's really what we are. And if people want all the vegetables, they can get that. If they want just broccoli, that works too. That's the experience is getting a meal that they would like their way. It's not as difficult for us as it may sound because we have so few ingredients, but we can do them in so many different ways and do them really well.
1: Who is your competition and how do you think you compare to them?
0: Yeah, you know, I... We we always are looking at the competitive landscape. The short answer is, we really don't have competition in our space. There's not a whole lot of um, even regional or national players. Uh, there's a fair amount of mom and pops that do either teriyaki, or they do maybe Asian inspired food, Chinese, Japanese, Thai. Um, we really are one of the few branded solutions. How do we match up? I believe with the um, kind of new business model of delivery and outside the four walls. We really are one of the few branded Asian food concepts out there.
1: Do you have a concept called franchising with a soul? And what do you mean by that? And what would entice someone to become a franchisee?
0: Well, franchising with the soul means that we're not a cookie cutter concept, although there's certainly quite a few commonalities amongst all of our shops. They all have the same flavor. They all have the same um, symbolic pieces that people know that we're a team at. Um, we integrate with the neighborhoods and that's really what soul means. It means that the owners have an option, an opportunity to provide their own personality into the culture and into the brand. Um, and why would someone become a franchisee? Um, it's a wildly successful business model. And believe it or not, not all franchise organizations can say that but that's what attracted me more than anything is if gosh if someone's going to go ahead and invest in a business model let's make sure it works let's make sure that it's profitable and that's how we determine if it works and let's determine if uh you know it's got ease of use and people can be successful and accomplish their goals um working with a, a team that really does have best intentions and cares and wants to help people build a successful business in the version that they they would like to build it in, whether that's multi-unit with a big territory, which um, we have a whole lot of people coming in doing that now, um, or if their their short-term vision is let's just pursue the American dream and let's create and own their own business.
1: So, what qualities do you look for in a franchisee partner?
0: We look for a cultural match. We look for people who understand what we're what we're doing, our vision of building an international well-recognized brand that serves delicious food that's healthy, that um, really respects the customer, where we provide quality ingredients in a large quantity that people perceive to have value. Um, That's our culture. And we um, are transparent, we have open communication and we want our franchisees to reflect those, those cultural attributes.
1: So how did Teriyaki Madness pivot during the pandemic? And how important was something like technology to help support franchisees? We didn't really
0: pivot because we believe that technology is the cornerstone to, you know, to the restaurant business um, and the direction it's going. Uh, We have invested a tremendous amount of resources into technology, people, money. Um, We work with the best of the best. People providing uh, integration with third-party delivery, uh, curbside, uh, marketing and advertising, loyalty programs. Technology for us, I don't want to say it's everything, but it's almost everything. If you have a, a, a great business model and you have a great product, you have the right people, and you've got really refined and structured processes and systems. And then you can execute through technology to make sure that everything is best in class. That's the recipe for winning.
1: So can you, I guess, detail a little bit more about how technology is used, is integrated into the brand?
0: It's integrated throughout the brand from our app to inventory to our POS system to um, labor forecasting. We depend on technology combined with the people. This is a people business. And uh, you can have flippy robots all you want, but you know, we at the end of the day, a customer wants to be treated with some kind of interaction and that interaction should be their choice if they want to have a conversation with a live human being and they want people to cook food for them that's an option that we want to provide if they want to call it in on the app um, they know what they'd like to order uh, and they want to drive up walk in grab a bag without talking anybody and leave or just pull up to the curbside and have somebody hand it through their window or they want to sit in their um living room, watching TV and have it delivered, that's really been part of the success for us is we put ourselves in the shoes of our customer. We've got raving fans because our product is what our customers want it to be.
1: So you have a very interesting new program that you started called the Restaurant Sherpas. So what's the origin of that and what does it entail? Yeah,
0: we had a whole lot of folks coming to us as investors. They recognized the return of investment in our margins, but they didn't really want to be an operator. They didn't want to work in or build a team in our restaurants. Um they they just wanted to go ahead and see a return of their investment, uh, absentee franchise owners. And we recognized that And we said, look, we've got our own shops. They're working really well. We've got a big team of people who know how to run them and make them as profitable as possible. Why don't we do that for investors, franchisees who want to be absentee owners, but they want to realize a great return of investment, have an equity investment that perhaps they can exit in the future. But how do they monetize that investment and have somebody else do it for them? And. That's why we created restaurant Sherpas. We know what we're doing. Why can't we do that for our franchisees? So that's been uh, more successful than we even forecast. We just opened five shops in the Milwaukee area over the last, um, I think it was seven weeks, to great success. We know what we're doing right out of the gate. So there isn't a whole lot of learning curve. We know how to do the marketing, we know how to do all of the operations. And that's a, a great return on investment for the folks who want to build one or, gosh, a 100. If um, the business model works to the point where the margins are so high that um, you can carve off 3% to pay a management company to manage your investment, oversee the reporting, do all of the hiring and, and building and real estate and everything that's involved, then gosh, why not if you get a great return of your investment?
1: Were you surprised by the amount of interest that you've seen in the program?
0: Um, I was. I'll be really honest. We knew it was a winner because we had so much demand from people who uh, looked at a restaurant, right? Restaurants aren't easy to run. But when they're run really well and the business model works, and I know I keep coming back to, to that, if, if there's a great return of investment and the margin is um, it, it, meets or exceeds expectations, then, um, you know, it makes sense. I didn't realize how much of a demand there was for it. But I will tell anyone who's thinking about doing something similar, it's really hard. There's a whole lot of investment involved in building the team, uh, finding the people who have the experience, um, making sure that it's all done really transparent with a lot of transparency and that the reporting is sound and that, um, we, we go ahead and set the proper expectations. Um, that's really hard to do. We've had a learning curve. Um, we're still doing a great job, but we are, um, I, I'm not, yeah, I am surprised by it, but the traction that it's gotten probably is the most surprising thing to me of anything.
1: Also, during the pandemic, you continued to expand and you added more than a dozen restaurants and you're still opening more throughout the end of the year. Why did you continue with this growth during this very challenging time for the restaurant industry? Well,
0: you know, when the pandemic first hit, we got pretty darn scared. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. And yeah, I think everybody just hunkered down. We um, saw a drop in sales, you know, in 30% or so for a couple of weeks, um, but third quarter, we're up 18% year over year sales and um, people in the restaurant industry have really kind of sat up and taken notice of the business model and, and how we operate technology and off premise is a huge fact, a huge part of our business model. We were 65 to 80% outside the four walls before the pandemic. Um, We continue to have very high numbers on on that business model. Um, And once again, um, you know, people want to stay home. They want to stay safe. We um, have a whole lot of really things that we built for convenience. It's really our role to stay ahead of the game. We thought that we were building a convenience business model for our customers. It turned out that we really built almost the perfect pandemic business model. And we um, were kind of cautiously celebrating while trying to figure out how we can help others be successful in tough times.
1: So what are the things that you think made it the perfect pandemic business model?
0: well you know there's there's folks who don't want to go sit in a restaurant during the pandemic um, and there's folks who want something perhaps um uh fresh made with fresh ingredients um that you know maybe doesn't have we don't have a drive-through um we have curbside pickup but it takes a minute to make everybody's food exactly for them so high quality um low lower contact. And that tends to really work well. It worked really well for us in the in the recession, the Great Recession, where people were maybe trading down from dine-in restaurants, but they want something that is a little more special. The same thing is happening for a few different additional reasons with Fast Casual. And um, yeah, I think that's how we positioned ourselves with our technology and our business model to really kind of fit into our customers' needs.
1: So as you continue to grow, what are you going to be looking for in terms of geography and demographics when you do site selection? Are you going to look for more of a drive-through model? We're not. We um you know we we're always
0: in research and development exploring different business models whether it's ghost kitchens or drive-through. Um, we don't necessarily believe that that's going to work for us now, but we're not going to discount it. We'll constantly be looking at those things. Um, What we we focus on is, um, you know, what works and what's going to continue to work.
1: Right before the pandemic, you had your own health issue. Um, So if you can detail a little bit about that and kind of what you learned about how you had prepared your team so that you know, in your absence for a little bit that, that things were still up and running?
0: You're the first person that ever asked me that question. I, you know, when I build an organization, this is, um, this is my, my third franchise organization that I've built. Um, I focus on building the company. And one of the cornerstones to that is redundancies and ensuring that the organization and supporting the franchisees doesn't, doesn't depend on one person. Uh, that's a strong organization. And um, I did I had a, um, a triple bypass, I I didn't have a heart attack. But my doctor said I should go check it out. And they hustled me right in there to go have surgery three days before they announced the pandemic. So I went in on uh, a little bit before March eleventh. Um, it was looking like tough times. But I really didn't worry about the company at all. Because, the team has a tremendous amount of long-term restaurant experience. I knew that the, the people there can, I mean, what do I add? My job is uh, visionary. I, my job is to make sure that I understand where we're going and what the future is. And if I'm doing my job, then I communicate that constantly to, to the team. Um, the team knows where we're going. They know how to get there, and they're the ones who are gonna get us there, support the franchisees, and make sure that we can work through a crisis like COVID. Or I wouldn't even say it's a crisis that I went down for a little while. Um, I, I think if anybody goes down in the organization, the organization is built to be able to not miss a step.
1: Well, a good organization should be.
0: I, should be is the, the key word, but that's something that we really focus
1: on. So you are a great brand evangelist. And you really are dedicated to, as you refer to it, spreading the madness and creating this really ardent fan base. Um, so in what ways do you do that, you know, through marketing, advertising, social media? And how important do you think those are to growing the brand?
0: Huh. I don't know that I am a great brand evangelist. You know, I love the business model. I think I've certainly communicated that through this interview. Um, I like the, I, you know, I think franchising is a business. I love the product and I love the fact that our customers and our franchisees are the brand evangelists. It's serving their needs. The franchisees, our franchise satisfaction rate is just absolutely through the roof. They're all building, um, well, not all of them, but quite a few of them are, are really expanding rapidly. Our customers are raving fans and they're always on social media talking about how great the food is. Our spicy chicken is, is almost everybody's favorite. It's a very unique product and and people love it. Is brand evangelism important um, from the right people, from the consumers and the franchisees? Yeah, super important. I want people to, to really own what they're doing and love what they're doing. Um, coming from me, I think it it almost is taken as a a little superficial because they would expect that from me. Um, Do I love the brand? Do I love the food? Do I love our franchise system? Do I love our team? Uh, Absolutely. Um, But at the end of the day, what attracted me to buying the company from the founders was the food, the business model, the profitability for the franchisees and that raving fan base of evangelicals who just can't get enough of the food.
1: So let's talk about the marketing and advertising aspect. Um, how important do you think that is in, in still building awareness of the brand in you know the new locations that you're going to?
0: Yeah, 100%. That is, that is everything. We've got to educate people um, by getting the food in their mouths and having them experience what we do. Uh, once they do that, and maybe even they do it two or three times, they're loyal fans for life. And how do we create that consistency? We've gotta have consistency from teriyaki shop to teriyaki shop. Um, it's that that piece that isn't necessarily advertising, it's word of mouth advertising. And our marketing is really about awareness and education. And yeah, it's important.
1: Last question. Um- What excites you about the future of the restaurant industry now?
0: Well, I think COVID forced an evolution. Um, I like to say I think it jumped forward about three to five years overnight. I used to read articles from really well known presidents or CEOs of brands where they'd say they would never change to do this or change to do that. And they were forced to make that change to, to just stay alive through the pandemic. What excites me about the future is I think that there's a whole lot of people who are sitting up and paying attention to what the consumer wants versus what has worked over the past 20 years. Um, The world is changing, it's always changing. And the pandemic just said, hey, you guys need to pay attention um, because it's changing and you're, not going to survive, but how do we thrive? And customer convenience is job one, providing alternatives that include um, psychographics of the customer, where they're looking for something healthier, they're looking for something different, they're looking for the convenience, and really listening. I think that that everything I've talked about today, is listening to our franchisees who are on the front lines, and listening to our customers who um, eat our food on a regular basis. What do they want to see? What What are their actions telling us we need to be focused on? So R&D for us is a, a big piece of what we do.
1: Thank you so much, Michael.
0: Well, thank you. My pleasure.